Okay, we're recording now. So, um, <laughs> welcome to the <laughs> welcome to the pod. <laughs> I've never had a guest on the pod, and this is so awkward. I was telling Tavian right before we recorded that, like, I've never done this, so he has to see me fumble over this introduction. <laughs> but I'm doing this for one of my projects for school. So, hello to all my professors and my colleagues that are listening so um man I can't even do a proper introduction because he's watching me and I feel so uncomfortable (laughs) so um now that I can move on from this (laughs) today's episode is going to be about like anti-blackness in the gay community I have my wonderful friend Tavion here Beautiful and wonderful, and has amazing music. What the (laughs) amazing music! I do podcasts unedited too, so everyone's just gonna hear this. Um, (laughs) But he has amazing music. Um, Phoenix Blood, go check it out. I'm gonna link everything. It's beautiful. It's such a good project, Tavian. I absolutely adore it. I've been listening to it nonstop since it came out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That makes me happy. Yeah, everyone should listen to it. And if you don't listen to it, boo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my podcast is super informal. It's very just like having a conversation. Mostly I just have conversations with myself. So Tavian's the first person I'm going to have a conversation with. So I'm really excited. It's going to be really fun. Um, Well, maybe not fun. It's not a fun subject. But it's just fun (laughs) talking to Tavian. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself? Do you want to tell the people who are listening who you are? Yeah. Yeah. So I am Tavion Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sabella's my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is my existence on this earth. No. Um, so I am a singer, songwriter, and I am a Black gay man. And I like to really just hone in on that with my music and just kind of make sure that that is, I guess, the focal point because I feel like I didn't have a lot of people that I can really look to in terms of like feeling like I was represented and feeling like I wasn't alone when I was going through my shit. Mm-hmm. So I want people to be able to hear my music when and feel like they're not alone while they're dealing with their shit. Mm-hmm. So that's a really big thing for me. Yeah, I love that. That's really sweet. And that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to jump right into the first question, which it's not really, I don't have nothing structured and I know I should, but like the first question is, so every single queer person of color I know Mm -hmm. hates West Hollywood. (laughs) They hate... (laughs) They hate going to West Hollywood. They hate the bars in West Hollywood. If they went to West Hollywood when they were younger, they don't go now. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we're older, we're in our late 20s. They don't really go anymore. I know you live in um, NoHo, so yeah. you're kind of close to there. Um, but I know why people don't go. But if if you want, you can go ahead and explain why a lot of queer people of color don't exactly love going to West Hollywood. Yeah, no, Absolutely. West Hollywood is definitely a very white gay centered place. Mm -hmm. So I know 
I guess in terms of my experience with it, like I remember when I was coming out of the closet, I was just like, fuck, like I just want a sense of community. I want to feel like I belong somewhere. And I, as I was coming out to people, like I want to say 90% of the conversations were like, we need to go to WeHo. We got to experience this together. Yeah. So it was painted as this like all gay welcome place. So when I, when I went, I was just like, I'm going to be with my people. I'm going to feel this sense of community. I'm going to feel all this. And I remember getting there and oddly enough, feeling more isolated than mm-hmm. I did with like, like the straight people that I grew up with. Mm. And I was really confused by that. Like very, very confused. I was like, this was supposed to be it for me. But it's definitely a place that is very much centered around the white gay. And if you're not a white gay when you're there, you're either like, you know, a commodity for someone to enjoy for their pleasure or you're treated like you don't belong and there's no in between. Have you experienced more of like being a commodity to people or have you experienced more of that like you don't belong? Or is it kind of like equal? Honestly, it's for me personally, it's pretty equal. Like it's either I am like kind of like given looks of like what the fuck are you doing and just kind of this this weird dismissive energy mm-hmm. or people feel like strangers feel like they can just kind of grab my ass and that's their introduction to me where and you're just like a body for someone to like enjoy and consume you're not like an actual person oh absolutely every and it's been that way every single time i've gone i've given it multiple tries and I was like, I, I just fucking hate this place. Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, because it's so like, it, it does it feel dehumanizing? Oh, for sure, 1000%. And I think when I was younger, at first, like I was just like, maybe this is like a normalcy. And I just was kind of like, whenever people would kind of lead with grabbing my ass or anything, like I would just kind of freeze up mm. and just, like, and they would just start the conversation and I would just kind of go with it. But I think the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, no, like, this is not fucking normal. Like, people cannot treat you like this. And you don't need to tolerate this type of behavior because this is all that you get in the situation. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had friends who have experienced similar things where they go to West Hollywood and they just feel like they're there to be, like, the object of like a white gaze affection rather than someone trying to get to know them and like okay for the people who are listening what is a white gay (laughs) what would you describe the typical white gay man as that's a good question um there's so many different like avenues you can go with like yeah yeah it's it's interesting so i mean for me, I mean, that's obvious. They're white and they're gay. <laughs> so there's, that's, the, that's the first step. But a white gay to me is somebody who, whether they're even conscious of it or not, which I'm sure they're more conscious of it than not, mm-hmm. but they kind of enter a, a space feeling like they are kind of above anyone that doesn't fit within that sphere. 
Mm. So whenever they're moving within that space, because they feel like they're above them, they feel like they're entitled to whatever they want in that moment. Mm. Or there's the superiority that is just where, where they look at anyone that's not in that sphere as like beneath them and they don't even want them around. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's definitely, I guess, in terms of like behavior, what I describe from a white gay outside of they're white, they're gay, mm -hmm. and, you know, they're, they're dancing in their crop tops to like Britney Spears house remixes. <laughs> or to brain on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which was so weird at protest seeing like white gays dancing to rain on me and thinking that's like a form of protest and like I'll get to that later because that's a whole <laughs> conversation um, yeah but it's so interesting to see white gay men kind of I guess they have the monopoly on what gayness is and they sort of control the narrative of what being gay is like, and they control what a gay person looks like, or the the um, the standard of what gayness is, and they control like how you know you operate in in gay spheres, or even like with outside of gayness, like operate like um, like trans people's identities and like queer people's identities, and and mm -hmm. I find white gay folks really kind of control that, and mm -hmm. I think it has a lot to do with like their whiteness they it's that unrecognized privilege of well you're white but there's also that conversation that is always brought up is like oh i'm white but i'm gay i'm also oppressed when it's like you're yes in in a yes you are i'm not going to deny that but like you are oppressing other people like you're, yeah. you're weaponizing your race to like hurt black and brown like gay people and black and brown queer people. Mm -hmm. And I always find that like, um, I <laughs> this is so random to bring up, but I always see someone like Todrick Hall, right? And yeah. we have our own opinions about Todrick Hall. <laughs> <laughs> but Todrick Hall is always kind of upheld as this like standard by white gay men of like, oh, this is like a black gay man that fits into our world. This yeah. is this is like who black gay men are without yep. like acknowledging, I don't know, the, the depths of like being black and being gay. Mm -hmm. And I'm not someone that can speak on that. I'm not black and I am not gay. Well, I'm gay, but like, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why are you lying? <laughs> I'm not a black gay person. Yes. But, um, I don't know. Like, I just want you to to just talk about what is what is your experience with like growing up and being black and gay and kind of trying to reconcile the two. Or did you always see those things as separate? And if you did see those things as separate, how long did it take you to kind of fuse those things together? Honestly, it took me a very it took me a long time, and I think it started with being a kid, like I grew up in La Mirada. So I was surrounded by mostly white people. Mm -hmm. So I seeing the way that I was even just as a child when I was like 11 and realized that I was the only friend of mine that was like detained, regularly detained by the police on the sidewalk and searched and things on those lines. Like that's what made me have, you know, 
issues with really recognizing and embracing my blackness because a lot of the way that I was treated from a young age, it was, I was treated as if that was a problem. So for me, I, I, it was very hard for me to connect to that. And I felt like there was just something that was like wrong with me because of the way that I was treated. And then as I got older, you mix that with like every single one of your gay guy friends being like, that's fucking gay when something's negative or throwing the word faggot or queer because, you know, I remember just, I remember before queer was more so embraced as a positive term, it was way more used as a derogatory term when I was a kid. Yeah. So just hearing those things. I, I felt like there was so much that was wrong with me because I was so different. Mm-hmm. And I think the older that I got, I definitely started to recognize a lot of the bullshit that I was actually going through and that that wasn't necessarily, you know, defi- definitive of me, mm-hmm. not the treatment that I was receiving. And it wasn't until probably when I came out of the closet and then moved out of La Mirada and moved to North Hollywood and got to experience so much outside of La Mirada that I was able to really start to see a lot of like the covert racism that I dealt with all of my life and also just society as a whole just how fucking ridiculous it is when it terms in terms of just treatment towards queer people and I want to say maybe when I was like 21 22 was when I started to like really embrace both of those as a whole and they're they're very different. They're very different things to me, but they combine and they both make up who I am. Mm-hmm. So I I love both of those aspects of me. Those are both huge aspects of me. But it took me a while to really embrace and love those, mm-hmm. and love those things like together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I think when I was younger, I used to always feel like I had to like be a version of myself that would just kind of fit into whatever little space that I can like wid- like wedge myself in because there wasn't really m- much for me to go into. Mm-hmm. I had to be an acceptable version of myself. Like I can be black, but like I can't be t- too black in La Mirada. Like I can't be too what people would perceive as like, oh, like you're embracing this. Like I needed to be black to a level where they would accept me. Whereas now I'm like, I embrace all parts of me and I don't wedge myself into any sort of spaces that I can fit into. I make my own and I do that like very unapologetically now. Did you find when you were younger going into like white gay spaces that you had to like do the same thing and 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 kind of conceal parts of yourself and like oh, I can't be too black entering this area. I can't like show mm-hmm. my person. I can't show who I am because while I'm in a space that is supposed to accept me, it's not accepting me wholly. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Because just like I was saying before, like when I was in those spaces, as much as the people wanted to like objectify me, there were those other people that were just so dismissive and almost slightly abrasive. So when I was in those spaces, when I was like longing for community, I was like, oh, I just have to be like in this kind of box and I can't go out of the steps of the box or else like I'm not going to be welcome in this house. Mm. And it, it, it breaks my fucking heart when I think about it now because I'm like, that is just, it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. But 
it was a product of just everything that I'd experienced growing up and everything like, and just wanting to feel like I belonged somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I definitely would do my best to stay in that box when I was younger, for sure. Were you able, like, as you grew up, able to find a community that you felt safe and secure and a community that you felt like could really truly understand you? So yes, like I definitely, I feel like I found community in the sense of the, like just the individual close friends that I've met together in terms, and like, especially just like the black community in LA and just a lot of my friends that I have out here, I definitely feel that sense of community. I think in terms of queer space, I have individual, like I have a lot, I, I have like there's groups of black friends that I have, but I can't really say the same thing about groups of queer friends, to be honest with you. Like I have individual queer friends, like in different pockets that maybe we'll all come together here and there, but in terms of like a big, larger community, I haven't necessarily felt that at all in LA. Is it hard to find like black queer spaces in LA? It is, it is. And it's, it sucks so bad because I feel like like the second, like maybe like the la the second half of 2019, I started to find a queer space that like I really connected in. It's, there's this, um, this queer art show that happens in LA and it's been so long, I forgot. It's like every third or fourth Sunday of the month, it's called Gay Guts. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I was around, you know, a bunch of queer people, especially a bunch of queer people of color who were all creatives and all just, I guess, just like owning their truth and sharing their art. And I was like, this is fucking dope. Like I remember being here and I, I think I even invited you to one of those like, yeah, you did. Back in the day, yeah. And I started like falling in love with it. And I think that was the first time that I felt that truly out here, but I didn't really get to immerse myself within it as much as I wanted to before the lockdown happened. And obviously like group events stopped happening. Yeah. But that's the closest thing, I guess, to, I guess a queer community, especially a queer community of color that I felt like connected in that it was an actual welcoming safe space. Yeah. And those, I always find like those, those communities are so, um, they're so much more liberating. Like when you go into like white gay spaces, you think this is going to be a liberating experience. Like, okay, we're here. And like, mm -hmm. I mean, me being a queer, like femme, non-binary, I'm figuring that, that whole thing out. But like, as a, as a like, them presenting person it's always so weird to go into like white gay spaces yeah because white gays whether we like it or not hate women <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of like misogyny in, in those spaces and yeah. and it's not even exclusively for like white gays but that's where you kind of experience that like that the most and I have quite a few like uh, black lesbian friends who have been like, yeah, no, it's horrible. Like they truly just like hate women. They not only hate me because I'm black, but they hate me because I'm a woman and hate me because I'm a lesbian. And they see yeah. nothing for me because of all those three things. Yeah. It's like, just, it's so isolating and it's so horrible. And then when you finally find like queer communities of color, you're like, oh, 
so everyone can just exist and you can exist how you want. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to feel like uh, you don't belong. You, ha- you don't have to feel like you're like useless. Like here you have yeah. a blah, blah, blah. I love those queer spaces so much. Yeah. Like, when things open up, you got to come with me to gay guts. Yes. And <laughs> I, 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 yes, for sure. I need to go to way more like queer spaces. I'm so over these white gay spaces. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so with all the, the Black Lives Matter protests that happened over the summer and Mm. there were really, really large ones. I remember there was one that was going to be in West Hollywood and Pride was organizing it. Yeah. And Pride decided to include cops. Yeah. Um, what was your reaction to that initially? It was stupid. (laughs) yeah i was literally literally just like how are you gonna tell us that we're gonna come together and celebrate black lives while we are protesting being disproportionately murdered by the police Mm -hmm. by having it be partnered with the police Mm -hmm. and la county police who have killed more black folks than we can even count Exactly. Like it literally, it made absolutely no sense. I remember when you and I talked about it, we were both just like, this is bullshit. Like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. And I, I still to this day do not understand. And I think eventually they took police, like they definitely took police like out of it by the end. But I was like, the fact that it was even a thought to partner with the police on that was just so dumb. And it was just so tone deaf. And I, I just, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. It was like, a, it, it really showed like, one, how corporate pride is and how corporate yeah. is like, um, uh, gayness has become. Mm-hmm. And how, again, it's like, the it's white gayness that is corporatized and everyone thinks that that's the standard and that's the model when it's like, no, this fight was started, like queer and gay liberation was started by like trans, women of color like Mark Johnson like she would have like (laughs) I'm sure she's rolling over in her grave thinking about like cops at pride or like pride being at like U.S. bank and like all these corporations putting pride flags on everything I'm sure she's like what what is this I don't this is not the point Mm -hmm. and uh, do you feel like that really kind of um that really kind of showed how much pride as an institution, cause it is, or not an institution, but pride as a corporation now, but also how like white gays don't understand how important race is. In Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it kind of goes back to what you said earlier. Like, I think that there is this, I think that there's even this resistance to wanting to understand like what a queer person of color goes through because they're like, we have been marginalized. We're gay. We have been oppressed. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> and you know, I'm just like, I feel like I'm at a point where I just have less patience when people speak like that because I'm just like, you are just so stupid. If you cannot recognize, regardless of what your circumstance is, that the color of your skin gets you so much further than anyone else who is queer mm-hmm. like if you can't even conceptualize that that to me is just stupid because there's na- there's enough in front of you 
for you to be able to see that. So for me, it's willful ignorance. And that's the type of stuff that's just irritating. Yeah. Because it's like, why are you... It's right in front of your face. I think yeah. it's also like, it's that privilege that white people have where they, they don't have to acknowledge that it's even in front of their face. Mm-hmm. They don't even have to like... It's, it's such a difficult time getting white people to like understand privilege and understand how whiteness benefits them without them like freaking out about it and saying like oh well I had to work really hard and I had to do this and I had to do this and my life isn't easy and I haven't had everything handed to me when it's like that's not the point of this conversation the point of this conversation is look at who like represents us in in the government look at who is the ones or the ones getting like really high paying jobs look at the ones who are middle class upper class like look at the people who are succeeding what do their faces look like yeah they're white and i feel like a lot of white gays really try to like there's so many like wealthy white gays off of the top of my head thinking of famous people it's like anderson cooper and uh andy cohen they're yeah. white gay men and they're so wealthy and they're yeah. so um, tied to capitalism where they think the only way that they can be free is through like attaining wealth. Mm. And a lot of white gays are really attached to this idea of like, well, I need to be accepted um, and I need to, I need to be accepted by like this capitalistic patriarchy that I'm going to just like give into it and decide like, okay, well, I'll be accepted if I become wealthy. I'll be accepted if I, if I have money and they kind of scoff at anyone who doesn't think the same way, which is what I felt how a lot of white gay folks responded to the black lives matter protests in the summer was like, well, all you have to do is just follow the rules and like, you'll be fine. And it's like, well, it's harder for like gays of color to follow the rules or whatever that means. Like not only are they gay, which is difficult, And it's difficult within like, you know, gay people or queer people of color's cultures, like being Latinx and gay, that's a difficult journey. Being black and gay, that's a difficult journey within like your own respective cultures. But like, you also, I totally forgot what I was talking about. (laughs) 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 Like, oh, listen, it's been a long day, but like, you know, you're fighting like this battle within your own self of like, you know, this internalized homophobia and this internalized racism. And then you have to also like, like try to make a living and because you're a gay person of color, you're not gonna make as much money. You're never gonna like advance forward like a white gay is gonna advance forward. Exactly. I was gonna say. And I don't think white gays understand that. No, I, I completely agree with that. Absolutely. It's 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 ridiculous and i think that it's it's we're at a point right now where it's just again like i think it's willful ignorance if you if you are in that position and you do not see that as a reality mm-hmm. and i just don't have patience for willful ignorance any longer <laughs> it's just yeah. like, oh. yes. and i'm nice i'm a nice ass person but <laughs> that's the type of shit that i can't tolerate anymore <laughs> Yeah, general consensus is white gays are just really difficult <laughs> to deal with. And I don't think white gays realize that they contribute to a lot of the gentrification in the areas that they're in. Yeah. They don't think. Like, um, I was in the Castro, and 
we went to this one bar and I'm with all like queers of color when we went, mind you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go to this one bar, we walk in, everyone's a white gay. Every single person in there is a white gay. And it was so interesting because one of them, my friend had sat down and one of the guys turned to her and said, you're taking up a lot of space. You don't belong here. This is ours, not yours. So I feel like that's the general consensus of like, like you were saying earlier, how, how you got a lot of dirty looks and you got a lot of people being mean to you. And like, you know, were people ever like outwardly like racist to you? Were people ever saying like really racist shit to your face? I would say passive aggressive, like it was mostly passive aggressive in my situations. It was like the looks are like bumping me on the dance floor. You know, if I'm trying to dance, I'm just like, why are you in this, like, you know, in this space with me right now? Mm. Or like, this is my space. Like you are, you're kind of a guest here. So act accordingly when I want to dance in this little space right here. Like things like that, where it's, it just it makes me so mad because when I think about because there's a few times where like people have like bumped me on the dance floor and kind of looked at me like get away like you need to move and I was just so when I was younger like I was just I was so I was a lot nicer and a lot more patient and I think I wanted to some semblance of community so much that I was just like I just like I guess I'll let them have their little space whereas now like if I wish somebody would have the nerve to try to bump me anywhere. I really wish. I have a lot of anger built up in me the last year. Like, <laughs> let me make them my outlet at this point. Because in the water. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like it's just crazy, but mostly just passive aggressive energy. No one's ever in these spaces, as far as I can remember, has like outwardly vocalize anything too too direct it's all this like this kind of like oh you know you don't belong here let me just yeah yeah it's like you it's like you already know what it is like scoot over yeah oh that's so ugly Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so but yeah like i was saying the castro is like and the same with West Hollywood is like all these white gays come in and say, this is our space. You don't yeah. come here, but you've moved into us into spaces that were historically like black. You've moved yeah. spaces that were founded by like black people. And now you've raised the rent so high. You've moved into there. You've kicked all the black people out because you're racist. You've like kicked anyone else out that's trying to, to make a living and trying to like pay cheap rent because that's the only place they can like live you've kicked everyone out and then you have the audacity to say this is my space not yours yeah that's like that's just how white gays are absolutely absolutely and it's it's fucking ridiculous it's gross (laughs) (laughs) that's all it's just it's gross and it's so ugly and like I wish white gays would stop and like try to learn and like mm-hmm. try to understand that like it's not about you. <laughs> like yeah. the you are able to live in your gayness as a white person. You're able to live in that because like 
black and brown queers of color have like fought for you mm-hmm. the only, that's the only reason why you have any rights and like um for this class i'm taking we we're talking we watched this documentary and like so many black gay organizers have been erased from the history like the i forget his name but the person who organized the wash the march on washington in the 60s was a black gay man mm-hmm. and he's a completely erased and like Marsha P. Johnson is complete is not completely erased, granted, but her image is completely like taken out of context. Yeah. Marsha P. Johnson is like, oh, we have freedom when it's like, well, Marsha like had the star zine and was talking about how to like defend yourself as a trans person and how to defend yourself as a drag queen and like how to de- defend yourself against police and how police are bad and like, you know, I think that's just been like completely erased and lost and that like it's just now a lot of like queer folks of color have to fight to have an identity when it's like the entire movement was created by like queer people of color. Exactly. Yeah, it's ugly. Listen to queer people of color, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we speak nothing but facts. Yes. Well, we've, I feel like we've exhausted the conversation. We've talked a lot. And we talked a lot before this. <laughs> yeah, we did, we did. You wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about some things we probably can't say in the podcast. <laughs> I would mean, but not this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tavian, I want to thank you because you have to go eat. He's very hungry. <laughs> I do. I want like a big burger. That sounds so good. And you deserve it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for you. (laughs) Thank you for being a guest. The first guest on my podcast. Oh my gosh. I feel so honored. I know you should. I'm glad it's you. (laughs) Thank you you for being my first guest. Thank you for having to hear me fumble through that horrible introduction. (laughs) No, I loved it. It's probably my favorite introduction I've ever heard. Not that I've heard any of your other introductions, but... (laughs) Listen, they're messy. I'm listening to all your introductions now. They're so I just go, hey. So I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but thank you so much. Everyone, please listen to to Phoenix Blood. It's incredible. It's Bayou Boy. It's a beautiful, beautiful, like incredible. Again, I'm putting links everywhere. Listen to it. If you don't listen to it, you're not my friend. Thank you. You are the best. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to stop the recording and then um, I'm going to post this and everyone's going to hear it. Yay. Again, thank you, Tavian. Thanks for having me. I'm always happy to be here. Hope I can come again. Yes, I hope so too. (laughs) Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody.